seated there. My name is Ryan, and uh, I'm one of the pastors here at the Parks Church. Sorry, I had to get that out of the way. I'm one of the pastors here at the Parks Church, so glad to uh, welcome you here and uh, to see a few uh, new faces. Just thank you for joining us this morning and gathering in worship uh, with us, and we're so uh, grateful that you're here, and you are here um, as uh, luck would have it, as God's, not luck, God's providence would have it. Um, uh, you're here at the beginning of a new teaching series uh, for our church. Um, we are going to be working our way through uh, the book of Proverbs for the next few weeks. <clears throat> You know, life, it says, uh, often you hear this phrase that life is a journey, and that we're all going somewhere, and that we're uh, intended to enjoy the journey and not just be focused on the destination, but be thoughtful of the journey that we're on. But in addition to the fact that we are on a journey, and we are all, in a sense, headed somewhere, uh, we are all also becoming something. Um, We are being made into something. And so life doesn't just end in a destination. But life, uh, for those of us in Christ, while it really never ends, metaphorically speaking, it ends in a condition. And so I'd ask us, we think about the journey and we think about all of the stops on that journey. You might be uh, kind of thinking as you're wherever station of life that you're in, you may be sort of evaluating that. But I'd also ask you to consider what is the condition of your heart? We are headed towards something. We are headed towards wisdom or we are headed towards foolishness. And we are always going in one direction or the other. And so while we are on this journey of life, it would be wise for us to pursue wisdom and to allow God to speak into our hearts, to shape us, and to allow us to becoming more and more wise rather than more and more foolish. Now, God gives us through the Bible many things. Um, There are times in our life where we need the law to remind us of right and wrong, where we need the prophets to tell us of the future and the hope that we have. The law is written on our hearts and tells us even when we don't know. Those of us who are parents know that our children from the earliest age have the law of God written on their hearts, and so when they do something wrong, they will immediately turn and say, did he see me? Did she see me do that? Because we need that law, it does give us guidance. And as I said, the prophecy of Christ, His imminent return, gives us a hope in the dark days of life to know that no matter what is going on in this today, the circumstances that you find yourself in in this very moment, that there is a Savior named Jesus who will return and will take us home, and all of this will fade away. That's good news for us. But what do we do when we have questions, and this is often asked, this is very typical for all of us as we walk through life, to ask questions and we think to ourselves, I don't see this in the law of God. I don't know that there's a clear right and wrong answer to this, or I don't know exactly what it means for me as far as where I'm headed. I don't know how Christ's imminent return answers this. A lot of times there are these questions in life that aren't answered purely with right and wrong or this direction or that direction. What will and won't be don't always help us. And so God, in His kindness and His mercy, He gave us wisdom. We have God's wisdom given to us. 
wisdom to know about how to live our daily lives. Isn't it good to know that God didn't just give us and tell us His cosmic plan for the universe, His plan of redemption through Christ, but also gives us instruction on how to live, on where to go, how to do it? I've known so many people very often that are very full and and very knowledgeable when it comes to God's truth. The big picture of the gospel can explain deep theological issues to you and to me. And we've had these conversations, but it's so often find that they lack wisdom. They lack the ability to discern how to deliver the truth that they know. How to deliver the messages of grace that God has given them. And so we have these questions and we need wisdom to understand If we haven't wrestled with the question of who we are in Christ, who Christ died to make us to be, by the way, then no amount of wisdom will do. But understanding the gospel should lead to living with joy and certainty. And that type of certainty comes from growing in wisdom. Wisdom is God's kindness to us. We do not have to be foolish. We do not have to live as unwise people. See, the gospel tells us that there are bad people, evil people, like me, that God still loves. And he loves me enough, he loves us enough, he loves you enough to give you wisdom on how to live and how to walk through this life in a way that leads to your flourishing and joy and ultimately to his glory. God loves me enough to redeem my life, but he also loves me enough to help me grow in this type of wisdom. So, today, because of Christ, I'm an idiot that God loves. And because of God's love, he has given me wisdom so that I look less like an idiot today than I did last week. And tomorrow, I will look even further less like an idiot than I did last week, if I am obedient and if I would listen to what God has to say. And what God has to say is better than what anyone else has to say. That's why one of the principles of our church, one of the things that we've built this church on, is that the authority lies in God's Word. Not in a man, not in any extracurricular or any other thing, but what God's Word has to say is true, is sufficient, is the authority, and it is the baseline for all life. It all is found in this book. Now, there are helpers that come alongside, like a pastor, like a counselor, like these others, that might help us discern what God's Word has to say. But if what we say is not rooted in God's Word, then we are of no help at all. And what we say should always be rooted in God's Word, or it will be of no help. It will merely be a band-aid. All of these helpers that God gives us, these guidance, this guidance he gives us must be rooted in God's Word. That's why if you have a conversation with me, and many of you have had this type of conversation, and by the way, when I say these things, I've had it with many of you, so sometimes you think, he's talking about that conversation we had this week. No, it's not you, it's everyone. This happens all the time. But 
if you've had a conversation with me and you might have asked yourself, you've come to me and said, hey, what do you think about this, Pastor? I want to know, do you have any guidance, any wisdom? I will say to you, well, this is what I see and I think God's Word would have to say about that as to the best of my ability. But at the end of that conversation, and some of you can quote this, I will say, you better take that to Jesus and see what He says about it. Because I'm not the authority. His Word is the authority. What he says is what matters. So as best as I can, through my gifting and whatever training I might have had, is to help us understand that. But it ultimately comes down to God's word. So Jesus is our high priest who welcomes us into the presence of God through his shed blood on our behalf. Jesus is our great prophet who has told us the end of the story to give us hope in the midst of exile, when we have uncertain days in life. And Jesus is our wise counselor who has told us not just how to have life, but how to live it with wisdom. That's why Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. A wise man builds his house upon Christ and his word. So when we think of Proverbs, we come to this book of Proverbs, Too often, we think of it as our daily fortune cookie. Billy Graham uh, originated, I think, the habit of reading a proverb a day. There's 31 proverbs, and so it's a nice habit to build to read one of the proverbs according to the calendar every day of of the month. And that's a great habit to be in. And one of the things, though, that can come from that is that we just think of it as just this great idea, and we sort of balance it against when we go to payway, we crack that thing open, and we're, well, this sounds pretty good. I think I'll live according to this. Those two things, this is not a fortune cookie. This is the Word of God. This is the wisdom of God. The wisdom of the God that created this ball that we sit on and holds everything together, delivered to us so that we can have life. This is great wisdom. It's not to be thought of in small or simple terms. Biblical wisdom is the greatest wisdom there is. I love this quote from one of my favorite preachers, Ray Ortland. He says, what if we have many advantages in our lives but not wisdom? If we have love but not wisdom, we will harm people with the best of intentions. If we have courage but not wisdom, we will blunder boldly. If we have truth but not wisdom, we will make the gospel ugly to other people. If we have technology but not wisdom, we will use the best communications ever invented to broadcast stupidity. He wrote this, I think, before Snapchat, by the way, so just as a prophecy, if you want to know why I like this guy. If we have revival but not wisdom, we'll use the power of God to throw the church into reverse gear. Wisdom is important. We must have wisdom. And God has given us his wisdom through the book of Proverbs. Do you remember Matthew, where Matthew 16, where Peter comes to Jesus as Jesus is saying that I'm about to go to the cross? And Peter says to him, Lord, the cross dying, that's not that's not really in our plans here. That's that that doesn't make for good marketing. You dying is not really going to work for me. That's the paraphrased version of what Peter said to Jesus. And what did Jesus say to him? He said, get behind me, Satan. Because he was using the wisdom of man, not listening and adhering to the wisdom of God. See, God had a plan, and God has wisdom. And we too often will listen to any source in the universe 
There's a reason that there are those book clubs and magazines and all these other things that sell millions upon millions of copies and dollars that are spent seeking after earthly wisdom. And when one goes out of style, there's a new one to come into style. And we just chase after that, and we are seeking after the wisdom of man. We need to remember that we have all of the wisdom that God would ever intend for us to have, and it's found in this book. And so God has given us the book of Proverbs to understand. Proverbs was written by kings, Solomon being the greatest that we know of, to train young leaders and even teenagers who had bright futures, who were of noble heritage. Here's the truth. No matter our age, we are young, if we are in Christ, young prince and princesses of a kingdom that we are being prepared to inherit because of what Christ has done. We have a bright future because of Jesus. And so the wisdom that God will give us in this book will help us as we prepare for that. So, over the next month, we're going to work our way through the Proverbs. Uh, there are obviously 31 of them, and so in a month, we're not, we aren't gathering every day as much as I would love that. Um, we are going to just continue to gather on Sunday mornings, but we're going to work our way through the book of Proverbs and, in a sense, survey some of these, because the Proverbs were written in such a way that they can be gathered together under certain topics or areas of our lives. And so we're going to tackle and look at these different areas of our lives and see what God's wisdom has to say say about those. And then following our look at Proverbs, we're going to turn to Psalms, and so we see our series Proverbs and Psalm, the way of wisdom, because we're going to learn to worship through the Psalms and how we worship God, and what a better book to do that than through Psalms. So that's just a forecast of how we'll spend our summer months. Proverbs is an anthology. If you're like me, you read the word anthology and you think of a music album, because it's a collection of, uh, an album, a collection of songs by various artists. Uh, but a collection, the Proverbs is a collection of writings, and it is from several authors. So Solomon, again, is the one that is listed as the author because he's the most well-known. But there are other leaders and kings that wrote Proverbs. But the purpose of the entire book is given to us in what Calvin read for us. So chapters 1 through 9 tell us why, it's kind of the sales pitch as to why we should pursue wisdom and we should pursue God's wisdom over all the other things that the world has to offer. And then chapters 10 through 31 essentially give us these nuggets of wisdom in all of these various topics of our lives. But the first seven verses tell us, or essentially the theme of the book, and tell us why we should pursue this wisdom. Wise Christians and wise churches best reflect the beauty of Christ. Proverbs 4.9 says that wisdom will bestow on you a crown of beauty. And so as we grow in wisdom, this is my prayer for us as a church, as we grow in wisdom this summer, Jesus will place a crown of wisdom on our heads for His sake. And we as a church and as individuals will look more attractive, more beautiful to the outsiders. So people who do not know Jesus might wonder, why is it that these people who follow Christ, who call themselves by His name, live and operate in such a way that is attractive to me? And they might wonder about that. Our greatest witness is living in this world with godly wisdom so that as we live, we can evangelize and make disciples and share God's wisdom with others. So with that preface in mind, let's return to Proverbs chapter 1, 1 through 7. 
proverb in an English in English is uh, kind of would be understood as a wise saying or a practical truth. Look before you leap. Early to bed, early to rise, makes a man healthy, wealthy, and wise. Or anything else that your grandma might have said to you in life. Those are all things like Proverbs. But the Hebrew noun proverb is related to a verb that means to represent, to, to illustrate, or to be like. So a proverb, and what we're given in Proverbs is a small picture of reality. It, it represents some aspect of our lives. In some ways, we look at the Proverbs, as we take these one by one and analyze them and kind of turn them over in our hands, we will see a picture of life. And so, before we leap into life, we will be able to examine it and look at the proverb and learn how to live so that, again, when we go out into real life, we can do so wisely. So, the introduction of this, the Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel. Verse 2, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. To know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight. The Proverbs given by Solomon, the king of Israel, in the line according to God. He gives us that, that title, in a sense, there to remind us that he is following in the lineage of God's people. And he is following, this, this book is given to us according to God's sovereign plan. And we receive these Proverbs so that we might know wisdom and instruction and to understand words of insight. To know wisdom and instruction reflects, it reminds us, or kind of speaks to our character. Wisdom is understanding of life. If you think about this idea, and perhaps you can think in your mind right now of someone who was wise, someone who had wisdom in your life. I just referred to my grandma, I'd refer as wise, my grandfather, the wisest man that I ever knew. There was nothing in life that he didn't know how to do or how to find someone to do it. I followed in the finding someone to do it path. Haven't learned all of the how-tos yet, but I know a lot of people that know how to do great things. And so wisdom, though, is understanding of life. And my grandfather was one that he understood life. He seemed to just know about life. Now, some of that you might say, well, it's because he was old. And yes, that was. As we grow older, if we are going somewhere, we're growing in wisdom. But we can look at people in our lives, and perhaps you have an example of this, or you might know someone that is also growing in foolishness. So it is not just a matter of old age that leads to wisdom. Wisdom, again, comes from above, from God. But as it speaks to our character, then this understanding to know wisdom and instruction, we are granted an understanding of life. Wise people have a character that reflects and causes them to ask the right questions. Have you ever thought to yourself, this really isn't even the point? There's a grain of wisdom in being able to discern and understand the right questions to ask. Wise people act practically. They, they live their lives in a practical way. And wise people speak with clarity. All of these things are reflective of a character that is wise. To know wisdom, the proverb allows us to know wisdom and instruction. If you think about instruction, where are we instructed most? If, for me, when I hear that word, I think about school. 
And I know we just finished a school year, and so many of us are not wanting to reflect back on that season of life right now. We're looking forward to just zero instruction for a few weeks or months. But to know, to, to instruction or to receive instruction comes along with discipline. We must discipline ourselves to be instructed. We aren't just instructed. We, don't, we have to show up for that. We have to decide that I'm going to listen to the instruction that is given. Have you had a, ever had a friend or, uh, and you've had this situation in life where you've been kind of getting together with this friend or maybe it's a loved one, a family member, and you, you hang out with them, you go grab a cup of coffee or you go to have a meal with them, they come over to the house and you're talking with them and they're talking about a trial that they're going through or something that's not working in their life and so you offer them some guidance and perhaps even godly wisdom. You give them godly instruction as to how they should possibly deal with that situation and so they go away and they say thank you for that and then they go and, and you kind of hear through the next phone conversation or the next interaction, they come back over a week later, and they're still dealing with that issue. And so you say, well, you remember last week I said, maybe we should try this out, or maybe you should do this, or have this conversation, or communicate in this way, or do this or that. And they say, yeah, that's a, yeah I, I just, you know, I hadn't gotten around to it, but I'll do that. And so a couple weeks go by, and they come back over for a meal, or you have coffee with them again, and they're still dealing with the same issue. Do you ever kind of find yourself thinking, hello? I'm here, I'm speaking, I'm giving you this wisdom and instruction, I'm trying to help you through this situation, and they don't seem to get it because they have not disciplined themselves to receive the instruction. Receiving wisdom and comes with discipline. It's a matter, again, of our character. We have to be prepared to humble ourselves before God and say, I believe that your ways are higher than my ways. I believe that what you say is true, God. And I'm going to discipline myself to gain wisdom. And it will be hard. That will not come easy. It will require discipline. And so we receive wisdom and instruction to what? To understand words of insight. To reshape our minds to think rightly about what we see in the world. Wisdom allows us to think rightly. Wisdom allows us to see, I just talked about the situation, perhaps a conversation or a relationship came to mind in your own heart, but wisdom allows us to see the reality of sin involved in people's and in our own lives. As we think about the issues that we're dealing with, and we go to God and we ask Him for wisdom and we want His help, He reveals to us, or He uses us to help reveal to others that that issue that you're dealing with is a sin issue. Guess what? That's not the way the world sees things. The world will never tell you that what your problem or the challenge that you're facing is a result of sin. The world will tell you there's someone else to blame. The world will tell you that you can get angry at someone else rather than acknowledging wisely that the root of the problem is myself, my own sinful heart. I am able to think rightly. As I grow in wisdom, I discipline my body to receive instruction, my mind to receive instruction. I will understand the words given to me, and I will think properly, it says in verse 3. The other thing that verse 3 says there is, notice the word that he uses, to know wisdom and instruction, to understand words of insight, to receive instruction in wise dealings, in righteousness, justice, and equity. 
We receive that. Again, the wisdom that we are after cannot be found in the world, but is given to us as a gift from God. We receive it. Reminds us of God's kindness to us. Did, did God have to answer those questions for us? Did God have to show us the way to do those things? No. But God in His kindness has given us His Word. And so we receive the instruction and we receive His wisdom. And as we receive it, we grow in our abilities to live with righteousness, to pursue justice and equity. We receive these things. And as one of the measures that you can ask yourself, if you, as I said earlier, I'm just an idiot who's received some of God's wisdom, and I hopefully next week will be less of an idiot than I am today. Some of you like my other word, train wreck. You just look at me and you're like, yep, train wreck. Just smash together. Yep, that's it. But I, I'll be less of a train wreck. Things are going to get more ironed out. How do I know that? I'm more righteous next week than I am this week. I'm more look like Jesus. It's received. I don't make myself righteous. That's a gift of God's grace to us. But I grow in righteousness. I can see the world and offer greater justice, and I care about justice more. That's a receiving. I receive that. Equity, fairness amongst people, those things are all received. And as we grow in those things, we can know that we are growing in wisdom. One of my favorite lines in this part of the proverb, this introductory few verses, is he says to give prudence to the simple. That word simple, I would use my word that I've used just momentarily, the idiot word there. Guess what? He allows us, no matter where you are, he says, come and receive this wisdom from me. To give prudence to the simple. We do not have to arrive somewhere. One of the greatest lies of the enemy is to try and convince you that you're not worthy to hear from God, that you are not wise enough or knowledgeable enough to understand what God might have to say to you. And so you open up your Bible and you think to yourself, well, this is hard and this is challenging. And you close that up and you say to yourself, I'm just not good enough. There's no way I'm ever going to get this. No, what God says is that he's given us his wisdom and he's given it to the simple, to the most basic. So even me, I can come to God and I can rest and trust and have confidence in the promise that as I pursue him, he's going to give me wisdom. He is going to grow me up in wisdom. He's going to lead me in that. And so we gain wisdom. And as we gain wisdom, what does he say there? That we grow in three things. To give prudence, to grow in knowledge, and discretion. Again, these are all tests. These are all places where we can evaluate how are we doing in this area? Are we growing in these things? Are we growing in prudence? Are we growing in our knowledge of God's Word and our knowledge of who He is and who He says we are in Him? Are we growing in discretion? There was a time in my life where I lacked discretion. I just thought, if I think it, then I should say it. And then I grew up. And in the kindness of God, I don't speak as much. Now here I do, and that's, you know, sometimes challenging, and it's recorded, which makes it even more challenging for me. But we don't, I don't speak everything that comes to mind because I've grown in discretion. I don't do everything impulsively because I've grown in prudence. 
I have more knowledge of who God is and knowledge of who God says I am. And because of that, I am growing. Verse 5, he gives this, unless you think, and you were to think, well, this is great instruction, and Ryan, I wish you were preaching this to the youth and the students, and go teach this verse at camp. But verse 5 says, let the wise hear and increase in learning. You know what made my grandfather so wise? One, he was rooted in this book. And two, one of his proverbs were, every day learn something new. And I would pretty much assure you that every day of his life, until his mind would no longer function, he learned something new. He continued to grow in wisdom. Let the wise hear and increase in learning. And so, lest we think that we've ever arrived, that we've learned enough, that we can just now begin our process of sharing all of the wisdom that we have, we must constantly be growing in wisdom and hearing and increasing in our learning. Brothers and sisters in Christ, if you're like me and you have some gray in your beard or in your hair or just, you know, hidden away, but you know it's there, I want to exhort you and, and challenge you and, and plead with you. Don't stop growing in wisdom because it's as you grow in wisdom in your life that you will then be able to share that wisdom with these younger people and the generations coming up after us. God's Word instructs us and tells us that the older should instruct the younger. How are we to do that if we're not continually learning and increasing in wisdom? And the one who understands, guess what? Obtain guidance, he continues. Give guidance. Let us continue to grow in wisdom and in understanding and then offer that guidance and wisdom back to those that are coming up behind us. Verse 6 I'm going to go back to what he said there in verse 2. He says, verse 6, to understand a proverb and a saying, the words of the wise and their riddles, that comes back to that idea of discipline and learning. We have the wisdom of understanding that shapes our character, and as we grow in that wisdom and understanding, we are able to learn and to have instruction. We're able to understand. We discipline ourselves so that we're able to understand. And so as we get into these Proverbs, again, this is God's word of, way of saying to us, you need to pay attention. I'm trying to tell you something. I want you to hear this wisdom from me. He's saying, you're going to have to do some work to discipline yourself to receive the instruction that I'm about to give you. You're going to have to think through this. You're going to have to ponder these things. There's a reason that we exhort you and, 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 and plead, say, hey, Take some time this week, and we say this pretty regularly, read through the text that we're, we're studying on Sunday mornings. Go back through, and whether you re-listen to this sermon, at least go take the text and re-read through that. Take the initiative and the time to ponder what is God saying. Because you might not, as you open up your Bibles and you try to gain wisdom from the Lord, you might read a text that is complicated has some names that you don't understand, maybe even uses some language and some structure that doesn't make as much sense to you. But if you trust the Lord and you would pursue Him and humble yourself before God and continually allow it to meditate in your heart, to work through that over and over again, the testimony of this simple mind is you will grow in knowledge. You will grow in wisdom. 
God has given us his word not to sit on a shelf, not to be thought of as something that we can't really grasp. No, he's given it to us all to be received and to grow in wisdom. And finally, he comes to verse 7 and he summarizes this is the theme of the entire book. Everything that we talk about is rooted in verse 7. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom and instruction. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. You want to understand a situation that's going on in your life? We're just going to have a group therapy session right now. Whatever it is that's going on in your heart and that you're thinking through and you're wondering, what is it that pastor would have me do? What would God say for me to do in this situation or that? Am I to go to the left or am I to go to the right? You're to go in the direction that increases your reverence, love, adoration, fear, respect, honoring of God. That's the direction that you head. Whatever our flesh says is always going to be counter to what God's Word says. And so if you're wondering, you've got a left or a right, and perhaps you've got a left, right, or a center, and so you're thinking to yourself, I don't know, I've got three choices here. Two of them are going to lead you to greater understanding and appreciation of God's love for you and who you are through Christ, and perhaps one of them will not. Choose left or center. Either way, it doesn't matter. You're doing exactly what God would have you do. We have to think and understand that the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Whatever our flesh tells us, the things that take us away from God are not from God. The things that lead us toward God are from Him. And so as we evaluate and deal with situations in our lives, we must understand that to know To walk with God, to grow in our walk with God, it begins with reverence towards Him, with respect. Here's a few things if you're wondering, what does the fear of the Lord look like? The fear of the Lord is willingness to turn from evil and to change. You're approaching a situation in your life and you have the opportunity to continue to head down that path and that path is sinful and leads to evil and you know because of the law of God written on your heart that it is wrong. You choose to continue down that path. That is not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord says, I acknowledge that God is right and I am not. I am going to turn from that way. I'm going to go the opposite direction. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. The fear of the Lord is to surrender to His will. Again, you want to know the will of God? To glorify Him. To bring honor and praise to His name through your life. How does these decisions that we make, left, right, center, backwards, whichever direction we're at, how do we most glorify God? And a desire to do that and a surrender to His will saying, Lord, my life is open. My hands are open. I surrender to you. That's what the fear of the Lord looks like. The fear of the Lord causes us and leads us to love God, to appreciate and to value His ways above our own. What does our flesh say? I am the center of the universe. Every one of you revolves around me. What I want, my ways are the best. No, that's not the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord 
is submitting to God. And as we do that, we acknowledge and we, re- we understand, we express our love for Him. Again, back to one of my favorite quotes, the fear of the Lord, this is what he would say, Ray Ortland. I am not the measure of all things. I am being measured. I'm not the measure of all things. I am being measured. Am I growing in wisdom? Do I have a reverence for God that says His ways and what He says about life are surpass all other things? I pray that we would be, as we study this text, as we continue this summer, a people who grow in wisdom, who grow in our fear of the Lord. The beginning of knowledge, everything that you want to know begins with a right understanding of who God is. And when we have that right, then everything else in life, all of the other questions and all of the decisions and all of the directions and all the paths that we take will come into light and we will be able to walk in them. He will make our path straight. Let's pray to that end. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word. I thank you that it is true. I thank you that a sinful train wreck like me can receive from you, can receive life from you, and then can receive wisdom from you and can grow And because of you, because of your kindness, can look more like you. uh, I'm not worthy of that, God. I'm in awe that that is true. I pray that it would be even more true tomorrow than it is today in my life. And I pray that for these dear brothers and sisters. God, I pray as we walk and grow in wisdom this summer that you would make us individually and corporately more beautiful to the broken and dying world outside so that they might see a people not because of our puffed up knowledge but because of our God granted wisdom and the way we lead our lives live differently It is is not from our flesh that we submit and open our lives to you, God. That's something that you, you lead us towards. So I pray that collectively we would just humble ourselves before you. We'd say that you are right, God. You are the center. You know the higher way. Would you just help us to acknowledge that and to live as if that is true, because it is, and we rejoice that it is true. I thank you, Father, for this time together. We praise your holy name. I do it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Parks Church of Melissa podcast. We meet at 1030 Sunday mornings at Melissa Middle School, and we look forward to seeing you there soon. The Parks Church, for the city, about a person.